Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? A somewhat better week. I wouldn't say 100% better, but, you know, I think we saw some improvement from yeah. after the first 45 minutes of West Ham. But yeah, yeah let's get into it. Freddie rang the changes. Uh, one force since Ballerin got injured in the warm-up. I mean, you can still see something still not, you know, 100% with him. I mean, of course, with that long layoff, there's still something just not right with him. But okay, that's, uh, I'll go on. Um, Maitland Niles came in as a late, uh, replacement, and also the other slots that were uh, starting berths were then open for Callum Chambers coming in for the erratic David Luiz, Martinelli coming in for the seemingly off form Lacazette, and then Pepe coming in for uh, Willock. It seemed like a very pacey side when you looked at him. It seemed like a side that could cause damage on the counter attack, but. Like I said, this, this Arsenal team is still yet to have their true identity of what their strength is because this team could be very devastating in the counter-attacking and the changes of Ljungberg showed that he's not, even though, even though he's caretaker manager, he's not going to let name like your name get you into the team. You're going to have to work your way into the team, which is quite good. You know, just a quick side note and a, a stat I just want to put up. Um, they said the, the with Arsenal in this... Uh, First, I think the first 27 minutes, there was a, uh, it was 200 passes, right? 700, uh, 70% position, and not one shot at goal after 27 minutes and that 200 passes. Yeah, the 27 <laughs> minutes was very difficult to watch. Like, at, at, we, 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 I, like, the problem is with Arsenal playing, even against West Ham, they are so much more effective going forward, but they have this tendency to play with the ball at the back like they Barcelona. And they always shoot themselves in the foot. There's one time I think Xhaka almost played the ball across goal. Straight into the path of one of the West Ham attackers. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, Arsenal like to keep the ball, but they're playing with the ball in dangerous areas. Putting themselves in compromising positions. I mean, it's also something I have to mention, you know, in, in the, with regards to the Liege game as well. But I mean, the, the at times the goalkeepers also get caught up in all this. I mean, you can't actually call it like madness because they knocking the ball around and that. And then especially like you can yes, you can do that at the Emirates and that. But if you're playing away and you have these some of these pitches that are uneven and that, it's like I'm already figuring out. I can see this season alone, we're probably gonna still have something where the goalie's gonna let the ball run across <laughs> body and it's gonna hit a bubble and go in because. This for the chances, as you know, said, the, the sort of risk that we're taking, it, it doesn't, I mean, for me, there's, there's, even that, that, that playing out from the back, did it don't pay off, like, in general, for, for like, you know, football, uh, you know, just for the, the, the style of football that we play. Then is that is the risk even worth it doing that every time? Because you're giving him the ball at times to play, say, like Socrates, who gives the ball, like, stuck on his foot then. And, you know, the, the audacity that he has also... The arrogance at times. He relates on like the people come on to him. Then I'm thinking, okay, do you have not something up your sleeve you're gonna get past? Then he tries like like that two weeks or three weeks ago, the Christ turn in the box where he gets dispossessed and the guy just drags the ball across the goal. So why do that? Then you know, then stick to the basics, get the ball over into the other half and then you start building from there. The problem is Arsenal's not sticking to the basics at the moment and I trying to go kind of to the Man United Man City game. Man United 
you know, people criticized them of playing very defensive against Man City, but Solskjaer went back to basics, and that's what you spoke about. I just want to bring that back out. You said Arsenal should go back to basics. Even if you said boring, boring style of play, hitting a West Ham, whatever, on the counter-attack, go back to that because that can work. You have pace up front, but it's like they try to be so cocky on the ball at the back that they get always putting themselves under pressure, bringing West Ham on them to attack, and it, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's, as I told you, that's also how it plays out in training, where you have this, this almost like this playful air of playfulness in the team. That uh, that attitude comes in the game, and then also like when they realize, no, it's not as easy as what you know what we were having, where we could goof around. Then they look shell shocked. And I mean, how many times do you see them that everything they're trying is not you know really working off? So you have these laboured or pedestrian-like performances where there's just no cutting edge, so they rather will just knock the ball around in their own half. This West Ham team started off initially hungrier than Arsenal, and I thought, you know, <laughs> is Freddie actually the problem? Maybe he's the the guy that, that's been giving the instructions because it, it looked like the same old Arsenal team of Emery. two, three weeks ago under Emery. Yeah, so, you know, the Amazon, of course, you know, sniffing all this, started also cranking up the pressure. And, you know, it was like, uh, you know, it was like, Tierney then from a, I think it was a corner, he gets his arms tangled up. I mean, for me, it was a very, very strange injury. He then manages to, uh, I mean, with that twisting and turning with, uh, I forgot who the player was of West Ham, that then pops his shoulder out and he's, uh, you know, writhing in pain on the, on the pitch uh, with a dislocated shoulder. So in there to come, almost like emergency as well, not even planned in the, in the uh, traveling squad really. Uh, Colosina had to, you know, get his boots on and kit on and go on duty then. I must give Colosina, you know, give, stick my hand out to him and Angel Maitland-Niles in this game. They weren't, you know, the first picks to start this game, but it seemed like they actually, you know, put their hand up and said, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity and I hope it's a sign of things to come. But we obviously, like you've mentioned many times before, um, Kiritini needs someone to give him competition and I think it's a bit worrying, you know, coming from Celtic with an injury, coming to Arsenal now, it seems like, you know, he hasn't put the run of games together without being out hurt. Yeah, and I mean, uh, in this game also, you can see it was again also like a shell, uh, kind of, like, you know, leading up even to the injury now, but even before that, he always looked like he was a step or two behind when they were there. You know, uh, at times, uh, Felipe, uh, Anderson, and uh, at times even at four four nulls, they were like you're know, keeping on switching flanks like that, and you could see he was having trouble, you know, whether whether to defend, you know, holding them on the inside or driving the outside. So it, it all also it was all culmination into that eventual injury also. Yeah, you you hundred percent right. It's, it, I haven't and. You know, I know I was impressed with him and, and you know, referred to him as Beckham with his crosses, but in the Europa League and Carling Cup or EFL Cup or whatever we call it, Carabao Cup, I thought he, you know, was really impressive and I was excited for him to get into the squad. But it seems like the Premier League, he just hasn't gotten to grips to the speed of it yet. Because the players yeah. at the Premier League is very high, fast-paced. Yeah, because look at, at Pepe now only starting to get some sort of foothold. And I mean, look, we were in what? December... Yeah, and now he's starting to kind of show that Lille sort of form now. 
Yeah, he, he also much mentioned he, he his confidence came out. I don't know. I know you you mentioned to me that you know I, I made a joke about this still to you, but Lundberg, you said had a chat with Pepe. I don't know if you mentioned in the last week's podcast, but he did bring it up that they had a chat. And I don't know if that chat actually worked. You know, a winger to winger since Lundberg was also a winger at Arsenal, cutting inside sometimes from the left or like Pepe now on the other side, but also cutting in that. You know, maybe that words of words have actually you know, paid off. So the breakthrough then comes in the 78th minute. Uh, Arsenal again uh, attempting <laughs> to defend a corner, attacking corner. Uh, you know, everybody ends up missing the ball. When the ball breaks out of the box, Aubameyang, I don't know what he was trying. He, he's not, you know, almost like going with full intent to clear the ball or whatever. He was like just lightly, like ballerina style, sticks a foot out. Completely misses his kick. The ball, of course, gets you know bouncing around in the area of the as a, like a ping ball, ping pong ball gets flicked out, and then uh, for now the ball drops to four nails, and of course he takes his time, keeps a cool head, almost like literally picks out Ogbonna who comes you know almost like bum rushing, and he ends up with a power header, which I think deflects off Ainsley Martin Niles, and that yeah. that little deflection just takes a pass, you know, one always there. Did you see how Shaka actually pulls his head out from the from the challenge? It's like yeah. because he's not going in with force, obviously you he would have gotten hurt. But if you see the balls like that, you rise up and you challenge for it. But there's Arsenal guys in the box looking who's going to get the ball, who's going to get the ball. And Ogbonna came there steaming in, like you said, and Shaka just pulled his head out of the way, thinking, I'm not gonna get my head onto this. And like you said, one nil West Ham. And I mean Arsenal switching off again shortly before half time. And you know one one thing also to bring up now, and it's a tendency I notice that's happening a lot the last say three months or so even. When a player of ours is going for fifty fifties whatever, and they, you know, coming off second best, they will lay on the ground, almost like in a petulant way, wanting still something and trying to argue, but they're still on the ground. And in that time, the opponent is just playing on, and and you know. All of a sudden, we uh, was like a couple of players down because we've been caught out now with uh, roughly being a man short. Then, and I'm thinking to myself, where is this attitude coming from? Where because I've seen Gwendozi do it a couple of times. I saw Pepe a few times. Uh, Aubameyang, Lacazette, the same. Where they all just lie down, or even Özil, they'll get tackled. And, and normally, it's like maybe it's it's a, it's a tough tackle, but it's a fair one. Then they're like you know on their knees or sitting on their haunches. And I'm thinking, get up and help your team out. I mean, you just lost the ball now. You're not going to get the free kick either. So just get a move on, get on with the game. The problem with this Arsenal team currently, and it's probably been like this maybe for a bit, like a few seasons already, is they're not really playing for each other. Yeah. They're not, you know, willing to you know take a knock on the head for his teammate or take a knock anyway, put his body on the line. It's like these guys are more worried about themselves and throwing to- toys at the cot. Like you mentioned also, if you see it's not going your way, you need to put your foot on the ball. You need to tackle for your next guy. But it's not happening at Arsenal. We're very brittle at the moment. We don't have a proper, proper general in the team at the moment. And I mean, what I find actually shocking at times also is the the manner in which the seniors are letting us down, and the you know the younger ones or the, the players just about edging to their prime. They are the ones that kind of. Try, you know, giving or putting up a fight, some sort of fight. Because, I mean, I, at times I was, like, that thing we, we not just mentioned, I was with the Shaka thing. 
you expect somebody with, with that sort of stature in international football as well and his career, whether he was in Germany or in England now, to show, you know, some more oomph, you know, with, with regards to putting his body on the line. Because it's like none of our players wanted to take a shot to the face or shot to the, the chest or the, you know, the crotch or whatever, just to throw their body on the line. Yeah, our guys will rather turn, you know, hands around their back, but they're still turning away from the ball. So how does that help? You know, there's one thing that you've mentioned to me that will always stand out. And he's a United player, Lindelof. You know that time, he's such a tough player. that Remember that game against Southampton when they drew two all? And he, I don't know, he pulled his groin or injured his groin. He was lo- he was half hopping and playing time to kick the ball and play on just to actually play for his team. But Arsenal guys, they just get the knock and then they're like shouting for the ref. Doesn't that say like when you... Like when you tear your groin, sometimes that uh, that muscle or whatever can like pop out. And he was actually taking like two fingers and shoving it like in that <laughs> in that groin area. I was like shoving it back in and running. Like I mean, he wasn't like making up space, but he was just at times uh, you know trying to put his body in the almost like uh, to obstruct or, or just put his body in the way of of his opponent. But I mean, that's sort of hard I want to see from the players. But at times you don't see that. I think it's we Arsenal is in a weird space at the moment. You have players like Luis and Socrates who kind of this is kind of the I can say this swan song because they're not going to get another big contract or another decent contract elsewhere. So they're just winding down. Aubameyang as well. So I, you can see slowly the the life of him starting to drain out of him because you can see this Arsenal team at the moment is not thing to take him anywhere. Like I said as well, so there's no like team camaraderie, but like the youngsters, like you mentioned now, and like they see a future and they have a future at the club where they can take this club maybe to the next level. I mean, the way I see it, it's like the, the squad was not put together by Salnihi. You know, it was like for that, that, that period of Emery to get us through. So it's even like with players in their 30s and that. But it's like that. now that that project has now you know, fallen apart, now it's like you're going to have to, Either way, as 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 crap as you think about it, but it's not like you're gonna have to tear up this blueprint and you know start new, and it's also gonna come uh, where that comes also you know new manpower. And I think say over the next say three windows, four windows, transfer windows, we're gonna have to start doing that. You know, we were shifting at say two, so one or two say in January, and then you bring in maybe one or so or uh, one player you buy in, and and one player you. You bring in from the academy, something like that. And then uh, when it comes to the summer, that's when you have your, your your splash, your spending splash on on transfers. But then also in that in that move, also you start also filtering out more players and you know getting rid of the loan, some of the loan players, even those that are, maybe still have a year or so left with us. I mean, I know there's some that still do have a, about a year left, and some whose contracts and of course run out. But for me, it's almost like you're gonna have to, you know, unlike. The way Wenger did it with with that period where we lost Vieira and them, and 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 over time then we lost you know all our key players like Colo, Nasri, you know stuff like that. We don't we didn't have that real transition period where I was like where we're gonna bring somebody that could have like uh, stand in for Vieira. You're gonna bring somebody else that's gonna you know be that creative guy like uh, Cesc was was. So we need that sort of slow adjustment, but you can't just make. Wholesale changes because I mean, of course, it's going to be unrealistic. We're going to think Arsenal's just going to, you know, ship out 10 or 15 at, in one go. It's not going to work like that, really. So I think it's going to it's going to be a gradual thing. But I think this is also where 
as we're going to get through, like probably in another podcast, we're going to talk, uh, talking point section when we have, like talk about with the whole coaching thing and on and you know who's you know could fit the ball and stuff like that. So back to the game, going half time, one all down, and I mean in my mind I'm thinking you know same old same old. Uh, you know if if the first half was anything to go, but I honestly didn't know where we were going to you know get the football back into this game. Uh, at one point, of course, I also thought. You know, we were going to, that half-time team talk would probably, you know, be a big bonus for us. But, I mean, uh, West Ham came out literally flying out of the tra- traps. Because, I mean, as like what you said the other day, with teams, when they sniff that they got the chance against us, they really come out flying against us. So, well, of course, against the, totally against the runoff play then on the hour mark. Uh, fantastic teamwork because... Torreira out of the blue just starts carrying the ball. Nobody starts closing him down. He can, he takes the ball over into the West Ham off, plays uh, Kolasinac on the overlap. And I think Kolasinac also catches the whole West Ham defense goal because he, you know, manages to get almost like the freedom of the stadium, bursts down the flank, and he cuts the ball inside. And Martinelli, in almost like old school Freddy style, comes with a late run and picks his spot 1 1. It's amazing what. Kolasinac uh, uh, that delivers the ball accurately can do. I mean, the guy uh, like you know when he, he creates space very nicely and he's he's quite quick as well. Mm-hmm. And all he needs to do is just work on his final ball. And there you saw what happened. It was and Martinelli did well as well to to open up space on the left hand side for um for Kolasinac to go to go through for the cross. And what I liked of Martinelli is his determination to get to the ball in the box and then his composure as well to slot it away because 9 out of 10 at the moment with Arsenal, that ball could have ended up in the stands. But for a youngster his age to slot the ball like that, he has a very bright future at the club. And, you know, big upside to you as well from always mentioning him, saying he reminds you, like, you know, a bit of that Ronaldo-esque way of playing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's, he's really looking good. And I mean, it was also like... Uh... Yes, you were not discussing discussing with the with the finish. It was like a crisp, clean finish. Eh? I mean, it wasn't like bobbling or anything. It was like perfectly placed into the corner. It seems like he knows he knows where the goal is, yeah. and it's amazing what Arsenal did. You know, in the second half, they started playing differently. Uzel started getting more on the ball. He started getting behind the lines. Like Declan Rice couldn't couldn't keep up because he didn't know how to track Uzel. And it's amazing what happens when Arsenal start playing forward football and not hogging the ball at the back or letting Uzel come deep because that's not Uzel's game. They need to make a decision. If they play Uzel, he needs to be a free role. And I mean, on the 66th minute, Pepe then finds himself in, in open space. Ball on the left foot, cuts inside. And I mean, since that used to kind of get on our nerves since we always <laughs> It's like he's, he's one trick. But of course, the, the left back for West Ham didn't really, you know, get the memo. So... He allows Pepe to cut inside, and I mean, Pepe, the minute he was in the penalty box, he just took a quick glance up, picked his spot, and I mean, he banged the ball past the keeper. 2-1 Arsenal. It was a top-quality goal. They showed how the ball actually curled. It was top finish, and I hope this boosts his confidence. Then, you know, as Arsenal, you know, the momentum was, you know, eating the, the limiter right now. Confidence, everything became like a more slicker, faster-paced football, which is kind of like what we've been missing now for, what, two months? And um, Pepe then finds himself again in space and, you know, also don't doesn't panic or anything. Checks where Aubameyang is, 
and whoops in a you know a deft little cross, and Aubameyang finishes with a scissor finish, three-one Arsenal. At that point, you look at yourself and I was like, how is this the same team that played in the first half? It's like it's like Arsenal literally sometimes Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde between the the halves, and if they can get more consistent and sort the defense out, you know, you could put a run of games together. Because I mean, Freddie was saying, I think. I'm not sure if it was now after the game or, or prior to the Liege game where he said, you know, Arsenal also with us, you know, where they're they on a, such a downhill, like with a slump, uh, they almost like did not have belief in themselves. And it's almost like that, that little blitz that we saw in that, that eight-minute period or something like that. You actually see them uh, or saw them play with more freedom. And I think Freddie also said that he told them almost like to play without shackles or take the handbrake off in the Wenger terms. Because they actually look more refreshed, more like the, the the type of football was also more positive, and just that pinging the ball around was like with more nonchalance and arrogance, and in the attacking sense of the, the word now. Yeah, they seemed the both like you said, they seemed a freer team. They seemed a team that yeah. didn't you know, have all that worries in the back of the head. Because I think maybe, and you know, you can't blame Emery all the time, but maybe Emery is also telling you to maybe be more conservative. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Play more position at the back. You know, try to get one goal and close the game off. So, you know, maybe this is what Arsenal needed this victory. Because I mean, if you if you just think also that that when it was starting to go really south for Emery. In that rain, um, you know, there, there were times where you, you think this is an Arsenal like because we would sometimes get ourselves almost like say, to the edge of the box of the opponent and then knock the ball around there. And of course, when everything is not kind of closed up, then all of a sudden you see the ball gets passed back and then Leno has it again. It was a very negative way of playing, like you said, the Spanish Mourinho. Because <laughs> I mean, at times we went to like say park the bus at, at 1 0 up or whatever, and then I'm mean, sort of like allowing just. Because uh, you know, relentless pressure on, on our goal. Um, at the sixth minute, Xhaka then gets concussed with a ball and gets totally like smacked to the back of his head. Because I think, I think what made it actually worse was he was not since he was jogging away, and I think that guy was aiming, I think, for the crossfield pass. But I don't know how he got his kick wrong. I, I don't know if it was a Fredericks guy or something. We just belted the ball into the back of his head, and I mean, since he was almost like in a more relaxed state. He took it almost like a boxer, kind of, and he ended up just, you know, having blurry vision throughout. And then, for safety's sake, he was rather sub. Yeah, it, it was a bad night for injuries for Arsenal, but three injuries, but three points. You know, you have to take the one. Yeah, Gunas relieved. Uh, then uh, we switch our attention to the Europa League tie, the last game of the of the tournament for the year. Uh, we played San Liège away, of course. Again, slow start in a, you know, normally that, that stadium was way more intimidating, as you mentioned last week. But for me, it was almost like, you know, the state that the interest is kind of waned somewhat with the, so it's almost like a kind of dead rubber in a way. But uh, slow start again by Arsenal, uh, standard players playing a total, you know, quick brand of football. Pitch didn't also help, because I mean, I think at part, there were some parts on the pitch where it looked almost like clay, just a clay sheet of clay, barely grass growing out of it. So, of course, it made ball control difficult. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses like some people, but, uh, you know, the, the pitch started also cutting up, and it was like, you didn't really enjoy it, because, look, if you watch any football these days, you actually enjoy also football on a, you know, carpet-like pitch. 
I mean, of course, you're gonna have the now and then you're gonna have this bumpy pitches and whatever. But I mean, sometimes you want to now really enjoy a, a game of football. You think now you know the ball's gonna spray around, but I mean, I don't know how many times I've, I saw players lose the ball on the first or second touch, and it you know both teams also just scrambling and of course heavy tackles also going in at times. It was quite shocking, like the state of the pitch, like people were losing the ball when they're trying to dribble because it was like the ball stands still and they're running past the ball or it takes a hobble before first touch it was it was really those those probably playing in the championship or FA Cup clashes where you're playing a, a lower league side because of the, the the pitch state but I think Arsenal like the three at the back doesn't seem to work and the David Luiz playing at the back, I know I was a big advocate of Luis coming in with leadership. You know, in the start of the season, we had a podcast about um, what we think the different players are going to add. But it just seemed Arsenal seemed more anxious at the back when Luis was playing. And <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I must just tell you this: like, what, what, where you know, made me chuckle was, you know, you you look at him when he plays, and you see him like calming people down. Eh? Like, <laughs> you see, him, like, just and. And then, like, three or four minutes later, you watch him giving the ball away, causing something totally chaotic. Then you're thinking, you just tell them to keep calm and you doing all this panic, uh, you know, type of things. But Arsenal's biggest concern for me right now is they're backing off too much. You'll see it happening from the back. Louise loves backing off from an ex-Chelsea fan. I got told as well that that is his <laughs> thing. You'll back off right until you're behind the poles. But he always jockeys. And we don't have a defensive midfielder that you know can snoop in behind while he's jogging. So the whole Arsenal team seems to back off. And when we discuss the goals, there's also an array of backing off all the time. And I mean, like, uh, they uh, suddenly take the lead in the 47th minute. And I mean, concentration seemed almost like no. And, you know, with ease, they take the lead. Because of backing off, like, you can see there was a triangle of people backing off before I can't get to the guys then that's good there that got their goal. They took the deflected shot of Socrates. But there was a triangle of people just standing off, standing off, standing off, standing off. And they said, OK, I'm going to take the shot. Because as you said, I think he was more looking to play. He was, like, looking for outlet to the left of him because he was, like, cutting inside. And then when he saw, look, nobody was really closing him down. He said, hey, what the heck, do we just have a pop and go? And I mean, it ends up hitting uh, Socrates' hand. And I mean, it sends uh, Martin is the wrong way. I wasn't too pleased about that. But just to, to hop back to something in the game that um, concerned me is, do they plan on bringing VAR into the Europa League at all? Because we should have had a penalty. I don't even remember Lacazette's free kick where the defender deliberately stuck his arm out and a DT, like, yeah, the ball went. Free kick for that free kick. I mean, he literally, like, yeah, he actually just stuck it out to, to, to block the shot. Yeah, but, do you know, but I think this is where you also feel the... the you know, with a standard really drops in the Europa League because look, VAR don't exist in the Europa League. It's ah. for the Champions League. And I think that is uh, for me also a bitter pull to swallow. And it's like if you just think, oh God, it's like another, probably another year of this, you know, next season in this tournament. If not, I mean, if we even get there. I just hope we can find a way to, you know, get out of the Europa League because. As much as I want us to win it, I think we you know we need to get back into the Champions League. But if we play like we played in this game, we 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 know we're near Champions League at all. But I think look at at, at Leicester. They they playing almost like with the freedom, knowing they don't have European distractions. They can you know 
you know, really gun for it. And I mean, who knows when when, when it's really going to count, say, on Liverpool, where the, you know, when it starts eating up, uh, then Liverpool are going to be stretching almost like all tournaments. And you've got Leicester just, you know, gunning their way in the Premier League and probably won the Westlake Trophy. So. Uh, uh, with Liverpool, you never know it then at the moment, this point in time. They just seem, they have a bit of that invincible-esque-ness to them and I'm, I'm getting a bit concerned about it. But like, going back to this game, like, Arsenal couldn't even, you wouldn't even be able to, like, you could see that they didn't know where their next pass was going at one stage, where Lee, he was knocking the ball all the time to each other, knowing where the next pass was going, we didn't know. But I think where, where Lee's problem was, they were, you know, they were getting cocky in that, but they could have also put this game out of sight way early. I mean, look at the second goal they then scored in 69th minute when uh, Salim Amala, when he begs his goal. But, I mean, even by then, we should have also been probably three or four down at that time. But they were almost like too nonchalant with their finishes. You know, you know with that, uh, when that second goal fell, Freddie, of course, had to now react. And then he brought uh, Martinelli on for Socrates. So it was already their tactical adjustment. Like I think we switched into a back four. Uh, Seventy-eighth minute, Chambers then came on for uh, Maitland Niles because I, I mean uh, prior to that, he was already complaining about uh, tight calves because look, he's played a, a game against uh, what was West Ham. West Ham on Monday. Yeah, and then again. So I think that was now you know something to count against him. And then you know when I think with Chambers also coming on, it also brought a more fluidity now, because look, I think that's what we were missing, the, the more tired Maitland Niles was getting, because he wasn't really doing those runs down the flank, and I think with Chambers, uh, you know, fresh legs and that, you could see, that was almost like the right point where uh, Stanley Lee's players were starting to tie, because then all of a sudden our midfield started getting control of the ball, and, and you know, starting to knock it about, and look at that, uh, when, when Saka, you know, beautiful cross, where he picks out Lacazette, and I mean, look, Lacazette was quiet, you know, for most of the game. But I mean, he pops in with a good header, powers it past the, the keeper, and, you know, game on 2-1. Big ups to Saka. He really took this game by the scruff of the neck, and that cross of his was inch-perfect the way he curled yeah. it like that. And I mean, he was playing almost like a wing-back, wasn't he, for majority of the game? Yes, it was almost like him and Reese Nelson were interchangeably playing in that role, which kind of angered me because I'm thinking, go forward at the back and then you can use these two more effectively. But I don't know, Freddie seemed to have gone with three at the back. I don't think this works at Arsenal really anymore. Yeah, and then two minutes later, Saka again waltzes down the left flank, cuts inside. And I'm thinking to myself, look, everything is starting to close up because I think all the channels were starting to be big, uh, blocked or locked down by Liege. And I was like, yeah, to then do something magical. And I mean, he ends up with his standing foot. He eats the shot to the right and he calls it past the keeper. 2-2 two, two Arsenal. At that point, I'm like, are you, are you serious? Can we maybe go for the win? But I, I think, you know, one should be happy that we didn't get eliminated later after the Europa League because of the way that Leeds was missing chances. Yeah. That could have very well been a possibility. Yeah, but I think that uh, we're... we're it almost like put us on cruise control somewhat was that 4-0 win that we had at the Emirates. I think that, that is where the Heat was really on on, on standard because so, they needed to then score, you know, quite a few goals because with, with, with Frankfurt then at, at one point when Frankfurt were uh, losing, oh no, sorry, drawing, they, there was still a chance for them. But I mean, 
Gumarez then, you know, bagged the third to beat Frankfurt. But, I mean, with that, uh, them not getting the goals needed, they eliminated themselves as well. Yeah, Leeds could have been through to the next one. And I think they probably could have deserved it. Because they did come back strong in their home form. It's quite formidable. So, you know, you take the point and you end on top of the group happy. Yeah, still, you know, even now, I'm still confused how we even got the... If you think of that game, you know, the last few games with... From the Gimmaris game where we drew to the Frankfurt game where we lost and then this game now again. Just, I mean, that's, that's just another... It's like a Jekyll and I Europa League for us. If you think of what how it started and how it ended up. Yes, and we normally dominant in this competition, but I don't think we could go far if we carry on playing the way we do doing at the moment, especially since the likes of Inter's dropped into the thing. Hopefully that they that they focused more on the Serie uh, A and, and Ajax as well is dropped down. And then also a team that dark or side that could be very dangerous is at Red Bull Salzburg with an Ireland guy. Yeah. And now we switch our attention now to the big game of the weekend, Arsenal versus Man City at the Emirates. A huge test for the Gunners. I mean, look, we still... You know, there's still a lot of drama going on behind the scenes as, you know, on the hunt for the, the new head coach. But, you know, Man City come also to the game with, you know, in different uh, form, kind of. Because I think they've won, like, something like one in five. And I think by their standards, I mean, you know, Pepper, somebody, you know, he always wants the best for of everything. So, for him, it's almost like, you know, a real adaptation how to deal or fix this problem that they're actually going through. This little bit of a rut that they're going through. Um, uh, yeah, go on. No, no, you go on, it's fine. No, I just want to say, like, you know, the, the key players to now watch out for, Kevin De Bruyne has been averaging something like 7.9 per game, uh, Bernardo Silva 7.5 per game, and David Silva 7.4 on average. Oh, yeah, they, they are, they're, they're, they're the linchpins of the citizen side, and they make the thing stick, so if we don't, you know, try to sort them out, we could be on a on the road to nowhere if we don't um, make sure we keep those guys quiet. And what I wanted to mention is, you know, Arsenal seems like the team that always kicks other team into form. So I hope that that is not the case. And Man City, it seems, whenever they drop three points in the league, they seem to go and punish the next team that they play. So, <laughs> so I really worry that it doesn't become ugly to Sunday. Yeah, because um, the last thing you want to do is you, I mean, if you just think of our defense already, yeah. <laughs> it makes you already quake in your boots. And Pep Guardiola against the inexperienced Ljungberg. Our only hope, I think, is Man City, and I could be wrong, don't seem motivated this season as they were previously. I mean, winning two league titles, try to win the third, you know, it's not the easiest thing to motivate yourself. Yes, we all say they're professionals, and how can you not want to win the league? But I'm sure they focusing on the Champions League now because, I mean, they've won the league so many times now in a short space of time. But it looks like they also get frustrated quickly. I mean, they try to blitz you, but, I mean, if it does not pay off, then it's not like you can frustrate me. I mean, now I watched the United game against them and also some of the other games early on in the season where they've been almost, like, frustrated. And, and you can see they, they will come out full force that they give you that 20-minute flat-out burst. And then it's like, you know, you hold out, whatever, you maybe sneak a goal in. And then you know for a fact they're going to come out, like, say, second half again with a sort of onslaught. But if you weather that storm, you can almost, like, see it out. I mean, of course, I'm still, I'm still as a uh, goon, I'm still worried how this is going to even work out on, on Sunday because 
as you said, they normally do. There's normally a, a backlash with this team. I mean, they might say do something against us, but then they end up, uh, you know, losing again the game after. So you you don't know. That's where, where I sit down with the indifferent season that they also have, you know. And that's just the thing that I want to mention that you've mentioned also many times. If Arsenal make themselves a bit harder to beat, it frustrates Man City who are desperate now because they can't drop any more points. Yeah. They're already looking up at Liverpool high in the sky. But if Arsenal can go back to a basic way of playing football, try hitting them on the counter-attack, be solid, don't give away silly free kicks, don't give away silly passes, just go back to basics, I'm sure... Man City could be sweating and we could, you know, get something out of it. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, as, as much as you know, uh, coming up with a somewhat positivity angle, um, I'm just going to give a couple of negative angles here. Um, Arsenal, two clean sheets in 16 games in the league. Oh, my word. A goal difference at, at this point still zero. Uh, and Arsenal's last games, last four games against Man City... Uh, I mean, not one versus Man City in the last four, four or five, I think. Oh, was it last December 2015, the last time we beat them in the league? Yeah, and I mean, from what I heard also, this, uh, I think this season, if they can do a double over us, it's the first time Man City have done that in, I don't know, the number decades. Oh. It's a consecutively, no? Uh, I'm talking about the, where they've beat us, open away. For like season after season after season like that. So uh, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that they don't make more records against us. Because I mean, look, their forward line on fire. Because look, Aguero nine goals, Sterling eight. So David uh, Bernardo Silva, sorry, five. And then of course you look at Arsenal, Aubameyang eleven, Laka five, David Luiz two. Oh my word! You know, if we didn't have Aubameyang, we could probably could have been twentieth in the Premier League. Yeah. And that guy's goals have been literally carrying us all the way over the line. Yeah, uh, yeah so I'm ending off there with regards to the matches. I just have one talking point for the weekend before we end off. Uh, you know, there's I think at the, at the moment the two front runners now for the Arsenal head coach job is Mikel Arteta and Carlo Ancelotti, since he now got sacked by uh, Napoli. Um, what is your take on that? Well, which direction would you go? You know, I'm thinking of uh, Carlo Ancelotti as a short-term fix because I think, like you also mentioned to me, that the, this, this role could be a bit too big for Arteta. The club is in too much of a wreck at the moment for somebody of inexperience. We need an old head, a wise head, like you were always calling for. Ancelotti seems he can bring that. Even if it's a one- to two-year fix, he can maybe get us back into the Champions League. Maybe go the Italian way with the defense. Sort that out. Then leave. Maybe Arteta could take over from him in the years to come. Even Arteta could maybe be his assistant for the plan to take over. That's just how I see it. Yeah. Uh, how do you, what's your take on this? Um, I'd also go for, you know, somebody like Ancelotti. I mean, even if it, look, there's been so many names been thrown around, but I'm not just thinking now of and like what's now given now. Um, I would take Ancelotti because I just think, you know, that look, I was open to, you know, I told you also in our private chats, I was open to Arteta, you know, being a coach of us, even if he like never uh, fully coached a team as a sole manager. But you know, watching the defense now, the last like 
easily eight games, ten games even. You can see this job is going to be too big to so you know, especially when I'm with the defensive side of things, it's going to be too too big for somebody that's coming in almost like green into this job. So you need somebody you know that that's been in, you know somebody as I would say long in the tooth that knows what it's going to take. Just to, even if it, 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 it comes down to as Tony Adams said two or three weeks ago. Even if it's sticking 10 people at the back, just to sort of figure out is how we're going to spread out from here. Like we start out as a defensive, like a boring team, but you're not going to just score easily, you know, there's easy goals against us. And then you said, then you start getting a bit adventurous, but you're still keeping that base, you know, to, to protect that, uh, your keeper. And, that. and then, of course, you, from there you go on to shielding your defense with a uh, holding mid that actually does do his job and not goes on a walkabout every few minutes and leaves, you know, everybody exposed. Because I think that's also been the biggest letdown for us. Now the last, like, even two seasons, and even with Wenger also now at the latter part, we, we just don't have somebody protecting that defence. Because, look, you don't have to be... If you look at, at, at uh, say, Leicester, Johnny Evans is not blessed with pace. But, I mean, he reads the game well, and he has somebody like that Ndidi in front of him, and he's got Soyon Chu alongside him. So you can't build a team with somebody with, you know, that years of experience, uh, you know, behind him. But you also need that sort of support that can handle it, that can, you know, get into, bite into tackles, that can protect and, and, and play with more discipline. Because I think at the moment we are all over the place. That is right. And like you mentioned, your famous coach like we need a disciplinarian. And I think that this is what we need, actually. And I've always been a fan of Carlo Angelotti. Ever since he's, he's stint at Chelsea, you know, I've always, you know, just followed him to see how he's doing. But he's a he's a good coach that, that likes to get a good structure and foundation. And, you know, I would be happy having him at the club. And I mean, whenever he's, you know, you know even stood in for certain coaches or done these, uh, you know, the short-term jobs, he always ends on on good terms, you know, whether he's coming or going with, with clubs now. There's always a good sort of uh, rapport between the, the two, so... You know, let's just hope now that thing, that, that also gets sorted so we don't have to wait too long to, you know, for the club to now finally decide which direction we're going to go with regards to the head coach. So, I, I I'll, wanna, uh, just before, before you wrap up, there's just a question I want to put out to you. And this is maybe the listeners can you know, also maybe think about this. Um, if you could bring back one player from, you know, in the prime from the last 10 years now, squad, so looking from, call it maybe 2009, August, still. Now, who, which player would you want to bring back? From 2009 on? No, yeah, yeah, from 2009 on. If there's any guy that, you know, that's left the club or retired in the prime, you could bring them back for the last 10 years. Well, uh, look, I, uh, I wish I could go back further because then I would have seen <laughs> somebody like a Vieira or Adams or Sol. But, I mean, for me, at that period you're talking about now, I mean, I was thinking somebody like, say, Sisk. You know, just to do... To, to, Somehow that look, he was young, but I mean, he could still carry that load of a, of a team, you know. The, yeah, the maturity that's the word of a captain, a real captain. I mean, you could see him fired up, even at, at times, if you remember, if he was even on the bench, he'd be still be there firing the team on. And I, think I agree 100%. I agree 100%. I, I had the same player in mind. Okay, so fellas, I uh, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed for the game on Sunday. Come on, you gunners. Let's get the three points. <laughs>